In the latest roadblock to seeking asylum, documents show Customs and Border Protection are writing false court hearing dates as a means to keep migrants south of the border indefinitely. In at least 14 cases, migrants were sent back after their cases were resolved, both here in San Diego and along the border. The problem may be even larger, however, as these fraudulent dates were discovered by the migrants' lawyers, something that few asylees have. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Gustavo Solis, you're part of the border team at the Union-Tribune, and recently you wrote a story about how during the Remain in Mexico program, some migrants are getting fake court dates. Why is this happening? Well, we don't know why it's happening because Customs and Border Protection didn't respond to multiple uh, requests for inquiry. So we don't know the why, but we do know the what. Mm-hmm. And that is that several migrants in the Remain in Mexico program, uh, 14 that I've been able to identify, uh, finished their court case, right? They were either granted asylum or the court case was terminated without a decision being made. And they were sent back to Mexico anyway. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that the whole point of the Remain in Mexico program is for migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. to wait in Mexico until their court cases are over. Mm-hmm. And Mexico only agreed to accept returnees who have future court dates. So what is happening, what the immigration lawyers I spoke to are saying are that is that after their client's case is terminated or finished and they have no future court dates, uh, CBP is sending them back to Mexico with fraudulent court dates. So really, they should be staying in the United States, but for some reason, they're being removed again. That's right. Yeah, they should be in the U.S., either paroled with family or a sponsor or in detention in federal custody. But they are ending up in Mexico again. And Mm -hmm. at least one uh, person whose case I documented, she was physically assaulted in Mexico after she was returned this way. Uh, She was stabbed in the forearm. Wow. And that certainly has been a problem with the Remain in Mexico policy is that many individuals who argue that staying in Mexico is just prolonging their suffering in a sense. Well, that is kind of a stated point. Um, or partly the stated point of the policy, right? The the policy is meant to deter people from filing illegitimate asylum claims. Mm-hmm. And part of that deterrence is forcing people to wait in Mexico. Uh, so it stands to reason that Mexico is not a nice place to be because it'll deter people from applying for asylum. Um, the program itself, Migrant Protection Protocols, is... I mean, that's the official name of it, but it yeah. is sort of a misnomer at this point, right? There are very few protections um, in the program, mm-hmm. right? The I asked uh, CBP about this uh, last week to name what some of the protections were, and the answer I got was, well, we don't directly provide the protections. That's the Mexican government and nonprofits that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds like the United States has very little or really no oversight into the level of protection that Mexico is offering migrants in this program. So when are you taking me back to when you first heard about this instance? Uh, I was actually working on another story when I first heard about it. I was on the phone with an attorney. Uh, she had a client who I believe is still in federal custody. 
and she wasn't sure how to get him out, and she was uh, being stonewalled. Um, and during our conversation, she mentioned that she had a, a friend, another immigration attorney, um, who had her client sent back to Mexico with a false court date. And you know, I just kind of stopped and said, oh, tell me more about that. She put me in touch with that attorney who is from New York. Uh, I reached out to a couple more attorneys uh, from here from San Diego and from Texas who have also experienced this. And then I heard, I reached out to AILA, which is the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and they, mm -hmm. they're a great resource for anyone who's covering immigration. They have uh, members all over the country, all immigration lawyers, and they put me in touch with more people who had um, experienced this firsthand. So this is not just occurring in San Diego, it's all along the border, right? Right, it's all along the border. It's happening more in San Diego, though, right now, because San Diego is where... Uh, the program began. San yeah. Diego is where MPP or Remain in Mexico started. So those cases that began in late January and early February of this year, they're now beginning to finish. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why we're seeing it now. You're seeing these fraudulent um, future court dates a little bit more in Texas now because some of those cases are starting to come mm -hmm. to their end. Uh, but it is worth noting that Every single case that I identified involved a migrant who had an attorney. Um, and in the program, the overwhelming majority of people, of migrants, asylum seekers in this program, do not have attorneys. The latest figures were about 1% had lawyers, and the rest were on their own. So I don't know what's happening to the vast majority of the people in this program, but lawyers I talked to suspect they are also getting sent back with fraudulent court dates. And they have fewer uh, resources available to, to challenge that and come back into the U.S. where they should be. So is this illegal? Like, what kind of legal resource does anyone have when a court gives you a date that doesn't exist? Like, how, how can any person, even a U.S. citizen who knows English, fight this kind of thing? With the help of a good lawyer. That's pretty uh, much it, right? <laughs> yeah, there was this one case out of Texas, a lawyer, uh, uh, Jody Goodwin. She, Her client actually was granted asylum, and she hugged her client in the courtroom. Um, the, the judge and the lawyer just sort of told her, okay, you're going to go back for processing, and did you grab your bags? She had packed her suitcase. She was expecting to stay in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, Jody, the lawyer, hugged her and said, okay, we'll you know meet somewhere in 45 minutes. And she went to, a, uh, this was in Texas, she went to a Whataburger, uh, had a chocolate shake, and then she gets a phone call, a frantic phone call from her client who's crying, saying, I'm back in Mexico. Uh, this was about 4 p.m., and the lawyer spent five hours on the phone talking to immigration officials on the U.S. and on the Mexico side, trying to figure out what happened. She stayed up all night uh, writing uh preparing to file a lawsuit, uh, something is called a writ of habeas corpus. Mm -hmm. And that morning, after all those phone calls and that threat of a lawsuit, the um, her client was allowed to go into the U.S. for an interview and then was eventually paroled into the country. So that's what it took in that case. Like, imagine, mm -hmm. like, if you don't have that, I don't know how, how you would do it, right? I mean, uh, and imagine if you don't have a lawyer... A, and B, a lawyer willing to do that for you. Mm -hmm. And when you speak to lawyers and immigrant advocates, what's the mood in this ongoing asylum struggle? Because it seems like 
the administration is doing everything they possibly can to gum up the process, to slow down asylum, to make it harder and harder to get in. But something like this, in a sense, crosses a line in which you're lying if you're giving someone a wrong date. What are they saying about this? I don't think it's accurate to say they're shocked because a lot of these lawyers are not. They've seen some of the um, corners that the government has cut um, during this whole process. Uh, And they've seen evidence of the government lying before in cases, whether it's um, a writing the wrong addresses on some of the paperwork, or right, or, or saying that somebody presented themselves at the border when really they crossed illegally, little things like that. Mm-hmm. This does take it to the next level. But with what a lot of these lawyers have already seen in court, they are obviously upset and disappointed, but not really surprised at this point. Mm-hmm. So are they pushing like lawmakers to have new legislation in Congress? Or is there like a lawsuit being kind of put together to fight this? Or is this just they want to serve the people who are being affected now? Of the lawyers I talk to right now, I mean, they have a lot of cases. They're overworked. They're just focusing on the here and now. Uh, They don't miss words, right? They're saying, yes, CBP is lying. This is fraud. This is fraudulent. Um, I spoke to one who who said, you know, she's going to write any complaint she can think of to DHS, to ICE, to CBP, to regulating and oversight agencies to see what happens. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of the only action that I've seen at this point. I mean, I just, we just published a story yesterday. Um, I don't know if, you know, the, any of the Nonprofits or ACLU or Southern Poverty Law Center would be interested in filing a lawsuit. I know there's several lawsuits surrounding this policy. Actually, one was just filed the day before I published the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as I know right now on this specific issue with uh, fraudulent paperwork, I'm, I'm not aware of any. Yeah, it does seem like the strategy is kind of put as much stress and strain on all parts of the system as long as possible to get as few people willing to claim asylum as possible. Right. Yeah. And not just that, but even once people receive asylum, there are still barriers uh, put in them from from realizing the the benefits of that positive uh, granting. All right. Gustavo Solis, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. In other border news, Human and drug smugglers are increasingly turning to the Pacific Ocean as a means to get into the U.S. as border enforcement intensifies. Since 2016, the number of arrests at sea have nearly tripled, and there have been nearly 200 arrests since October 1st of this year. Six of those people were arrested early Wednesday morning after a suspected smuggling boat ended up in the sand near San Diego's Black Beach. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.